When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. You nearly went wrong there. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. Just briefly forgot which city we're in. It's fine. <laughs> we can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our website, skydemily.com. And alexlacy.com, as well as our dedicated website, ladieswholondon.com, for the show notes and more information about us, the Blue Badge, and all the other things like that and things. Yes. All the bits and bobs and stuff. And all the stuff. I never quite know how to finish that. It's a, uh, I finish weekly. I go, oh, and mm. all the other things. And anyway, carry on. Yeah. But hey. Hello. You all know where to find us by now, don't you? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Hi, listeners. Although, no, we might have some new listeners. Maybe this is the first episode you're jumping into. And if Absolutely. so, hello to you. Welcome along. Welcome, Welcome. I'm Alex. And that's Emily. <laughs> and we're incredibly silly. And uh, yeah. But getting a little bit more professional by the week. Do you because think? I've, well, I've got this kind of speed guard in front of me that you've you have. I know we're getting. We've got all the gear, no idea right now. <laughs> Seriously, more stuff. I keep seeing yeah. things and going, "Oh, that looks good. Let's get that. Let's get that." No, I'm feeling um, like I'm in a little proper studio. It's pretty cool, actually. Don't take your attached. months to install it, though, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's been in a box for a while, but it's attached to the table. It's screwed in. Yeah, so I'm all ready to roll. Absolutely. How are you, anyway? I'm good, mate. I am good. Um, went to the Isle of Wight recently. Yeah, back to the to, ranch. Yeah, to see my uh, parents for a couple of days, which was lovely. Smelt the sea air, which was uh, pleasant. Very nice. Very nice indeed. How did your haunted baby take it in? Oh, stop calling her haunted <laughs> baby. Tell the listeners Alex. why we call her the haunted baby. <laughs> So Alex and I was in this lift in the old operating theatre, which is probably very haunted. And anyway, we were in there and Carmen doesn't smile at Alex. Like yeah. she looks through Alex. Yeah. As if she she's sees kind my of soul. Like, she does see your soul and she's just... She finds just, it wanting. 
Yes, she's playing with it like a cat would play with a ball of wool. <laughs> yeah. And um, she was looking at Alex, really like, you know, kind of... Like she was going to kill me in my sleep. It was very... Um, like Village of, of the, the Damned. Oh, Village of the Damned. Yeah. That's what you called it, wasn't it? And um, and suddenly all of the lights went <laughs> uh, off in the lift. And when they came back on, Carmen, who was a baby, who you'd think would be scared of the dark, had not moved from this expression of just looking into Staring. the soul of Alex. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so the light came on and it was like she was still just looking at you. And no matter what I did, and I give I give good baby. Like, I... I... I pride myself on getting a laugh out of kids. Oh, you know, you were you were doing all the kind of I was I was I mean, I was giving it my best. Yeah. Child you know, entertainment. I mean, genuinely nothing. If she could have flipped me the bird, she would have done. She probably would have done, yeah. Honestly, give it a couple of years. We called her the called her the haunted baby since then. Baby, every time I put a photo up on Instagram or something, Alex messages say she's still not smiling. Right. I, when the lights went out, I thought she was going to be a bit like one of those weeping angels that they'd come back on and she'd be right in front of my face with like a, you know, teeth out or or something. Yeah. Oh gosh. Anyway, it is Damien from um, Only yeah. Fools and Horses, isn't it? Well, anyway, not Only Fools and Horses, but the uh, the mm. Omen. Oh, the Omen. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Um. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> Well, I'm a lot better today. I have to say, this is when we recorded the podcast last week. I was very much not well, was I? <sighs> could anybody I don't, tell? I don't, I don't think know if it came across. Oh, Alex, you I was think it very well. I was feeling very, very ill, and basically, I, uh, to, uh, yeah, I've I've been in bed all week mm. with um, the norovirus, so that's been super fun. Uh, but I am alive, and I'm back. So yeah, I just like to go and have good. a health breakdown between podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, so I have literally nothing no, to really say because I've you. barely moved from my bed all week. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, no, I lie. I've been on the sofa as well, but still. Yeah, I think um. you sent me a photo of you in bed, actually. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> Not Did that I? Like. I didn't have the energy for that. I literally, <laughs> I haven't responded to emails. So apologies. I know some of you have sent me emails out there um, for things and it's taken me an age to get back to you just because I had no energy. I couldn't do anything. Mm. So I'm back mm. now. So That's it. When you're ill, you don't want to look at your phone. You don't want to look at your laptop. It's No, but um, it was one of those ones where it, it properly wiped me out. Mm. Um, I thought, oh, it'll be a, you know, 24 hour bug. It, no, it was not. No. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Onwards. She's back. She's, She's back. back. Just try and stop me. Yeah. So, this week, now I barely remember last week because it was all such a bit of a fug, but what were we talking about? So last week, we were talking about the old operating theatre. We were indeed. We were talking about blood. We were talking about um, amputations. We were talking about biting on a little bit of wood to, <laughs> to suffocate the screams. <laughs> Look at you. You love this stuff, you goth guide. <laughs> I really goth do. Goth guide with the haunted baby. I mean, he couldn't, couldn't oh, write it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, so we had Monica from the old operating theatre giving us a wonderful account of what went on yeah. back in the day in the day and so podcast pedestal of last week the options mm. that we gave you now for some reason it didn't seem to work on my instagram account i don't know why but i was far too ill to take notice of it um <laughs> so we are running on uh, the ones from emily and the uh podcast page as well the options were um liston who was the 32nd uh amputatory amp, chap who amputated in 30 seconds there we go um who you know really key to get that amputation done nice and quickly and you went for no anesthetic because you're nice like that 
Yeah, I just thought, you know, being awake, being aware, every little bit of pain, like you would want Liston to to be the doctor who was, or the surgeon operating on you. But, um, you know, I'm sure they weren't all as swift as Liston. They certainly were not. Uh, So, which way do you think it went this week? I think it's 3-2 to me at the moment, isn't it? It is 3-2 to you, and I think that it's going to be 3-3. It's 3-3. Three, three. Ah! It's about 68% to you and the rest to me. 68%? About 32%. That's um, pretty yeah, sexy. Pretty decent. Wow, thank you so much, everybody. Pretty See, it's decent. not just my warped mind. Everybody, you know... Everyone else's warped minds as well. Sexy point as well. There we go. So, yeah, sorry, Liston, but you're... Uh... You're not good enough, my friend. No. Oh, sorry, listen. Although we did have an email from Katie this week. Katie Hughes. Hi, Hi Katie. Thanks for listening. Hi, Katie. Who said that she... Now, this is... I mean, how about this for timing? She listened to the podcast last week and then went for a wander in Highgate Cemetery in North London. And she found Liston's tomb buried up there. And she said she was walking through. She went, oh, my God, no way. He's here. So what are the, what are the chances of that? Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I said that we need to put that on the outing list. Yes. There's we a few things we do need to, to figure out an outing cemetery. list. We? we do. Yeah. We'll have a look. We're having a little meeting this week, chaps, so we'll uh, we'll we'll find out find some nice things for you to come and uh, come and join us on. Yeah, absolutely. Um we've had lovely um some lovely messages actually. We've had a, a lovely message from Rose Stevens and she said, Hi Alex and Emily, absolutely love your podcast. Oh you two Rose have the best voices on radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rose. Um, I'll take that. She said, I was staying in Soho this week, so we'll be intrigued to hear next week's podcast. Thanks for introducing the gasketeers. I never realised there were original gas lamps in London. And we've got a yeah. bit of an update on that. Haven't we? we have got an update on this so uh news now it came in a couple of weeks ago but we completely forgot to tell you um the uh, help thanks partly to our podcast thanks to the work the gasketeers have been doing there's been this massive groundswell of support thank you to everybody who i know lots of you wrote in um in support or rather to complain to the council about it and they have currently paused the rollout of these new LED lamps while they consult properly, which it seems they may not have quite done beforehand. So currently, well done, everybody. Thank you very much. Round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. The battle is won, not the war, but the battle. So the, um, yeah, the rollout has been halted for the time being while they have a little think. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Very good. Do you have any more shout-outs before we head on? Into um, so just a, a lovely gentleman really called Paul Palmer, who um, has sent us a couple of messages in the past. Hi, and he has um, actually sent a question to put on the wheel. Because I don't know if you remember, if you've heard the last couple of episodes, but we're asking for questions and things to be put on the wheel that we can spin and basically answer anything you want to ask. And Paul sent um, uh, a couple of questions, but I got a bit confused and actually just... <laughs> sent him the answers immediately <laughs> <laughs> and then reread it and I was like oh he wants it on the wheel Oop, yeah, well there we go <laughs> how are you doing for questions do you reckon uh, have we got enough we're nearly yeah. there so next week I just need a couple more a right. couple more segments to fill so send any um, questions anything you want to know send any questions anything you want to know we've had quite a few come in actually which is great amazing um, so we'll start so spinning yes. that next week yeah so I'll put it on Paul but you will already have the answer <laughs> Yeah, in your That's, inbox. 
Pretend you haven't heard it already, uh, Paul. That's With fine. photos, I might add, that I sent you. Um, and <laughs> someone else who sent me some questions for the wheel. Gina, thank you so much. Um, and Gina also said, because we talked, I think, last week about, should we change the intro? She said, please don't, because we've only just got it memorised. So, uh, <laughs> all right, Gina, for you, we'll, we'll keep the intro the same uh, for a little while. And we've also had, um, uh, actually, really lovely. We, what Emily and I both love is when listeners who've heard some of the things we've chatted about head off into the wilds of London and find some of the things linked to it and Kath Lansbury who's been listening uh, since the start I believe hi Kath um, went out this week and found the front of the Necropolis Railway that we spoke about a while ago in Waterloo what used to be the old ticket desk um, and she shared that with us on Instagram so you can either do that on Instagram or email us or whatever if you find you know go and have a look at something um, that we talked about you find something and uh, yes we shared that to have a little look at it's really cool isn't it that front of the the building you've got the lovely old tiles and you sort of poke you, you can kind of poke your face in and be like oh there's the old ticket desk it's rather fun it is and there's so much around that area so it's easily missed so well yeah. done for finding it um and we've also got um an, an email from kevin who said that he used to work by blackfriars bridge and i believe he's in canada now uh lucky old thing and mm. he saw lord's uh, a blue plaque for lord stanley of preston and can that go on the list so we'll put that on the list for um for future podcasts no problem at all is that it for shout outs that's it for shout outs um, if you have a shout outs please uh, well send it to us and we'll shout about it amazing so on to this week's podcast yes now we said last week that we are currently in the middle of uh, LGBTQ history month which is lovely and as you know Emily and I we're not one for only doing things in the months of the uh, particular history months however we haven't done any gay history for a while so it seemed like a perfect opportunity to do something and when soho came up um as who was it that you said is staying in soho at the moment um you know is, is gonna go and have a little look for this who was it uh, rose rose uh so rose when you're in soho this week um see what you can find there's very little to show you where the caravan club was now but um this is uh, it's one of my favorite little bits of kind of ephemeral history in london is that another word for you em i was just about to say ephemeral ephemeral uh it means that it's sort of passing and it goes very fairly quickly it kind of doesn't last for very long you know that sort of thing so an ephemeral an ephemeral bit of history um and i mean it's a super quick bit of history which you would think that something that comes and goes within the space of a few months genuinely wouldn't have that much of an impact on the history of London. However, you would be wrong mm. in the case of the Caravan Club. So, the Caravan Club was essentially a gay nightclub or a gay, well, I say nightclub, day club, nightclub, members club, basically, in the 1930s. The 1930s in London was a time when basically being openly gay could lead and did lead very frequently to prosecution possibly imprisonment as well. Now, 1930s is quite an interesting time. You've had the Roaring Twenties, um, which has been in a whole variety of different Western countries. They've come off the back of the Spanish flu epidemic and then had a big old sort of boom and cultural boom. This is sounding hopeful, isn't it, for us? Um, and other countries around the world, now some are, they're really, really divided on where homosexuality sits in the law. Some are actively criminalising it. 
Some are actively decriminalising it. Places like Denmark and Uruguay, interestingly, mm. um, decriminalised homosexuality in the early 1930s. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is really interesting. Mm. In the UK, it was still illegal. Do you know when it was uh, made legal? I think not until about the 60s, I would say. Yeah, 1967, mm. which feels quite late. I mean, I know the 60s was a, a period where there Liberation. was a lot of, sort of social development and a lot of, you know, obviously 69. You think of the 60s fully as being very kind of loose and free. 69 mm. is the summer of love, so it's actually kind of towards the end of it. So generally, attitudes are starting to loosen in the 1960s and it became legal. There were still restrictions. Um until 1861 homosexuality was a capital crime meaning that you could be executed for being gay oh my god really yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah and that just seems you know when you think that your parents were around during that period of time it's just a stone throw no the 1861 babe oh sorry (laughs) <laughs> oh, are your parents? Hi, Mum Adele. I don't think she's that old, is she? In the 1960s, you could get killed. No, wow. 1860s. Okay, all right. Yes. Hang on a minute, Emily. Your, your mum is looking very good for her age if she's, uh, she was around the Sorry, 1860s. Uh, Sorry, Mum Adele. <laughs> so, if you were a gay person in the 30s in London, you know, that you, you really, you face a very real risk of being arrested being prosecuted um, and all, you know, all kinds of harsh punishment, sort of hard labour and things like that, if you express yourself for who you are in public and even in private as well, you know, if you, even if you are conducting yourself in, in a, a manner that would be considered illegal, basically being in a gay relationship or anything, mm. behind closed doors, even if somebody knew about that, they could still get into trouble for that. I say this, and I do say homosexuality, but what I really mean more to the point is gay men women at the time it it wasn't really acknowledged in terms of the law so women being gay there wasn't any legislation and so it was actually arguably pushed further underground um people are aware that it happens and in fact when we come to the case of the caravan club in the 1930s you know a lot of the locals a lot of the ratepayers in the street where the club was on they would talk a lot about uh, gay women but the law really only recognises gay men. It's interesting, isn't it? And I wonder if that's because there wasn't much written about it. I mean, this is a time when still, you know, uh, a lot of female writers, for instance, um, weren't massively recognised. So I wonder if yeah. it's... And I think also there, there is very much a disconnect between how society views gay men and gay women as well. You yeah, know, gay true. gay women is often very sexualized. Yeah. Um, whereas gay men is very much more sort of, I guess, um, what's the word? Sort of much more looked. I guess much less accepted. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely looked at differently. Definitely, or, and I think that was always the way. Plus, you know, let's face it, women in law generally, until much more recently, overlooked in a whole variety of different ways. So it's mm. probably a bit of a mix of all of that. So what this means is. Excuse me, my voice is terrible. If you are going out in London as a gay man, um, you are likely, if you're going to places that are possibly earmarked as having links to homosexuality, they're going to be under surveillance. There is the constant threat of imprisonment when you go out with friends. Um, Particularly, you know, if you are even just seen to be kind of 
just to, to look or act a bit effeminate, they can arrest you and have you locked up. They would, they would often be one of the things that they saw as being a sign of being effeminate and therefore a link to being gay is men wearing makeup. So even if you just powdered your face, if that, that would be enough for the police to arrest you and potentially to charge you with being homosexual, mm-hmm. even if you just powdered your face. God, because makeup is effeminate and that you know yada yada so that's how they look at it so if you're a gay man you know if you're dressing flamboyantly that's another potential um key for the police so if you're going out you want to be you know even some semblance of who you are dressing even remotely flamboyantly tiniest bit of makeup you know it's it's potentially a problem so places like the caravan club are going to be quite key because they are gay members clubs where they're going to be the only safe place for gay men and women to meet in, in, well, I say safe place, in some kind of safety. It's not always going to be safe because you've got the fear of raids. You've got plain clothed policemen sort of setting honey traps and gathering evidence and all of this. And you're in Soho, you know, you're in the middle of Mm. London, you're so exposed. Although that area, you know, you've got a lot of kind of underground activity. Or actually because of that, you'd think that there'd be a bit more surveillance. A bit more cover. Mm. Well, maybe a bit more cover as well. You know, there are, there's all sorts of, you know, red light shenanigans going on in Soho. Oh, I guess so, yeah. So Yeah, but anyway. Mm. So the Caravan Club got quite a reputation during its, well, its very brief lifespan. This was, now, when, when people talk about gay members or gay clubs in London before um, legalisation, often the one that comes up top is the Caravan Club. And it would make it sound like it is the only club to ever have existed. But absolutely not. It's one of an entire kind of universe of really temporary underground spaces for LGBTQ people. Uh, Places where they can go and meet. Places where they can go and talk with other gay people. Places where they can try for for a short period of time to be themselves and express themselves now the club itself was hidden in a basement near covent garden did i say soho you did say soho i did say soho i'm going mad aren't i it's covent garden it's near soho it's fine sorry rose (laughs) sorry rose it's a short hop skip and a jump i was thinking when i was doing Covent garden soho Covent garden so it was on endell street do you know endell street do you know that is uh, give me a marker. What's on Endell Street now? The there's a big um. Is it Nuffield Health? Is that big swimming pool? The Rock and oh, Soul place. Yes, it's that it's, big yeah. road yeah. that goes north from uh, pretty much from the station. Yeah, and going yeah. north up that way. Um, it was in a basement in a club. Well, in a building near Covent Garden, members only, and it was open. We don't quite know when it opened. We've got records of it from about October of 1933 and it lasted the impressive amount of, uh, well, nearly a year up till August of 1934. And it was described, in fact, it was self-described as one of London's most unconventional bohemian hotspots. Now, unconventional and bohemian are basically code for a gay club. You You can't say it's a gay club because... Ding, ding, ding. Illegal. Not going to happen. So back then, I'm looking for a gay club. How do I know? Well, am I going to see a leaflet? Surely not. How am I going to hear about this secret club? Mostly going to be word of mouth. Mm. Mostly going to be chat amongst 
you know, fellow patrons. You would, you know, it, it would be a, a sort of community of people, really. Connections, mm. all of that kind mm. of thing. So from fairly early on, uh, in October 1933, this is when we start hearing about it because the police start surveilling it fairly early because loads of people the ratepayers by that i mean the people who have businesses in endell street start complaining they start complaining about well about gay behavior essentially they start complaining about loud and raucous parties now whether or not the parties were loud and raucous we don't know i suspect probably not purely because the louder and more raucous you are the more likely you are to be discovered Mm. however there might have been a bit we don't quite know but also, just around the corner, you've got Denmark Street, right? This is not too far away. Not too far, yeah. So there would have been, I don't know, as early on as early 1900s, actually, but um, I'm guessing there would have been quite a few parties, quite a lot of activity. I mean, the whole place is going to be fairly, you know, hopping and lots mm. of, you know, it's busy and it's businessy and all that kind of thing. Now, the people who opened it um, were two chaps called Billy Reynolds and Jack Neve. Quite interesting guys, actually. Jack was, believe it or not, a former escapologist. Oh, was he now? Yeah, I know, oh, really interesting. I thought, I'm going to open a gay club. I guess, I guess. Um, he was known as Iron Foot Jack. Iron uh, because Foot he had, Jack? He had one leg that was shorter than the other and he wore a sort of metal platform on his shoe. Oh, okay. So people knew him. And Billy Reynolds was quite young. He was only 24 but he had also got quite a few previous convictions from the police. Mm. We're not quite sure what for. Um, but these guys would have been gay because there's no way that you would start up a gay club if you weren't part of that community. And it was a temporary venue. All of these places were because they knew sooner or later they were going to get shut down. Okay? Yeah. They knew there was going to be a raid. Usually things like this would last a couple of weeks, a couple of months maximum. And then it would get raided, it would get shut down and they would take up space in another abandoned basement or somewhere so what it meant is that it was, I mean, really would have looked bohemian as well. They they didn't really, they couldn't afford to deck it out because what's the point? If it's going to be raided and closed down in possibly days, weeks, you're not going to spend loads of money investing in it. No, so what they did is they... could be their last. Exactly. So you would, you know, it'd be found furniture. So whatever's out on the street or whatever they can find, mm. whatever material they can find, they hung it up a lot over the walls. So it looked like, if you kind of imagine... You know, when you're a teenager and you go through that phase, I think most people do anyway, maybe you went through a different goth phase or something, um, where you go through a phase of joss sticks and kind of... Oh, no, I totally went through this. Yeah, you couldn't see any ceiling, any wall. It was covered in those kind of, those rugs that you'd get from Camden Market that had like a little tiny mirror, little tiny mirror. Yeah, little shiny bits. That were like attached to it. Yeah, 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 it was like a Latin's cave. Exactly. So that, you know... Okay, that, that's how I imagine it would have looked a little bit like that. You know, that sort of mm. slightly, a, a little bit dingy, but that's kind of yeah. exciting for a... Turn the light on, it's like, oh, but light yeah, off, yeah. wow. Light off, great. <laughs> but you know, quite exciting for like a clandestine members club and that sort of thing. And they had a pretty huge um, number of people going to it. They had about over 2,000 visitors and about 450 members as part of that. Oh, yeah, so... so you could be a member. How big are we talking? Like, how many people could you get in on, on one I night? I don't know how many people yeah, you could get in at any given time. But when the raid finally happens, spoiler, there's going to be a raid. Oh, my God. There's over 100 people that are taken to the police station. Okay. Oh, God, that's a big spoiler. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, ding, ding, ding. We know it's going to happen, right? Um, now, to get in there, you had to pay, uh, because, you know, obviously you needed to. It would cost you a shilling and sixpence entry. If you were a member, it would cost you just a shilling. Okay. So once you go in, now, the reason that we know so much about the Caravan Club is because it was raided and brought to court, okay? Some of these places would close down if they thought they were going to be raided, you know, that kind of thing. But the Caravan Club was quite a big raid. And so from it, we know quite a bit about it because there were police photos, there were police reports as well. So we we know what would go on in there. We know that there was an accordionist who would play there would be sofas that the guests would kind of lounge on. There'd be dancing where, mm. I hate to tell you, men are dancing with men and women were dancing with women. <gasps> I know. Like my kind of place. <laughs> Shocking. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very secretive space. Now, one of the things that also makes it very secretive is the, the way that the, the members of the gay community would talk to each other as well. There was a secret language. And it was called Polari. Have you heard of Polari before? I have heard of Polari. Not the film that George more. Clooney was in. That's Polari. No. No, 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 no. No. So a secret language. Okay. Go so on. it was a secret language that was used mostly at the start of the 20th century. So exactly mm. in this era. Um, and it essentially is a way of conducting conversations in public, mm. um, which would otherwise have let people around you know that you were gay so by using a secret language people don't know what you're talking about people aren't going to go oh he's just been talking about going to a gay club and yada yada and all that sort of thing yeah or been flirting with this other guy they wouldn't be able to tell they'd just over here and think oh it's a language whatever hmm. so what it meant is that it, it it allowed uh the people using it to flirt to chat to gossip about kind of mutual friends or to, you know, basically be a bit of a, you know, bit of a saucy old tart about someone's outfit if they're standing right next to you, that kind of thing, you know. I mean, can you imagine, like, you know, if you're standing there and you know the language, you know the secret language, and someone starts to talk to you in it, it'd be so yeah. exciting. Absolutely. It oh, really would. Do we, know, do we know who started this off or...? Well, it, it sort of developed over kind of through the 1800s and into the 1900s. And it started out as the with the basis of a language or kind of a sort of almost like a pidgin language called Pagliari. And Pagliari is a sort of Mediterranean slash Italian kind of language that was often used by um, sailors and workers who were traveling around the Med as a kind of form of sort of basic language to, to all chat amongst each other. Hmm. Then, when it kind of came into Britain, it was mixed up with things like Cockney rhyming slang and other different types of slang. Um, bits of French, bits of Yiddish, bits of, um, you know, slang coming in from America as well. And so it was essentially an, a language entirely on its own. So I'm going to give you a couple of phrases. I'm going to see if you can Ooh, figure here out. Here we go. Okay. Now, this is quite a fun one. And this is one that, Somebody rather famous has used as well. Bonnet of Adia Dolly Old Eek. Um, Bonnet of Adia you... Dolly Old Eek. You Dolly Old Eek. Um, would you like to see what colour underwear I'm wearing? 
wow, you've gone big. No, this is a lot nicer. Oh. <laughs> uh, or rather, a lot more, a lot more look cleaner, let's say. So, uh, Bona is, is good, like uh, bueno in, in Latin, or, you know, uh, bono, that kind of thing. Yeah. Bono, so good. To vada, vada is to see. So, vedere, um, Latin yeah. as well, you know. Uh, your dolly, so dolly is beautiful. Uh, your dolly old eek, your eek is your face. So oh, bonnet to vada, your dolly old eek is good to see oh, your lovely sorry, face. Sorry, I took it straight to the gutter. You really did. Um, another phrase, can I have a troll around your latte? Oh, well, here we go now. Can I have a little... Keep it clean. Can I have a little look? Yes. Must be, can I have a little look? Yeah. Um, can I have a little look around your flat? <laughs> yes. Around oh, your house. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. there you go, yeah. A troll around. So, I mean, we, we now we still now use that troll word. Troll around. No, yeah, I'm just going to go and have a little yeah. troll around and it means a little, I'm little have a look. Around. Yeah, have a little look. So there are some words that have come over Nancy. into actual kind of common parlance. One very famous person to use Polari in a very sort of broad way was Kenneth Williams. Do you know what? I was thinking of Kenneth Williams, actually, because he had such um, a gift when it came to language. Yeah. And I've seen him on a couple of interviews and just what pours out of his mouth is just so poetic. Yeah. And yeah, wow. Um, and what we'll do is love. we'll put a little a little video of him speaking, uh, Polari, on the show notes. So we'll embed it on the website. So mm. do go and have a look. Um but yeah, I mean, you can imagine him saying, oh, Dolly, old ink. And that's how he, you know, and he, he was in a show called Round the Horn, which is still actually quite popular. It was um, sort of a comedy show on the radio, which had at one point over 20 million listeners. And he was using it in that show. Mm. So whether people would have known that it was Polari or not, they might have just thought he was kind of going off on a real kind of East End tangent. Yeah. Now, it sort of fell out of use by the 70s, but there are some words that have crossed over that we now use today, that are in the dictionary, <gasps> are from Polari. Oh, okay, go on. Okay, so the first one is bevy. Bevy. Having a, a drink. drink. Having a bevy. Have a bevy, yeah. Have a bevy. That oh. comes from Polari. Polari, bevy. Okay, yeah. I use that um, so, so often. The kazi, meaning the toilet. The kazi, yeah, kamikaze, yeah. yeah. The word naff as well, meaning no good, meaning a bit oh, rubbish. Yeah. That is... Polari. The best one is is butch. The word butch butch meaning kind of to be masculine. That is Polari as well. A butch queen. Yeah, that kind of thing. Wow. So some of those words, you know, there are some in the dictionary now that we use almost on a daily basis that are still Polari. That came from this time. Fabulous. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So you'd have had Polari being spoken. It would have all been, you know, kind of fun and exciting. Mm. But of course, now. People, locals, are not going to love it that much. Um, there, there were complaints. And there's one particular complaint letter. And lots of people you'd find would uh, write in anonymously. Um, they would sign it, you know, an Englishman. As if, you know, an Englishman's above this. Or they would write pro bono publico for the public good. So they kind of, they're seeing it as like their duty to let the police know and uh, that, that these things are going on and to, mm, and to have them closed. Um, so this one... Now, this is a, a a letter that has been kept. It's in the National Archives mm. and they recreated it recently for something which I'll come to shortly. It says, Sir, RE81 Endell Street. At above address, there is the, in, in quotation marks, Caravan Club. And then a little question mark afterwards in brackets. Only frequented by sexual perverts, lesbians and sodomites. 
It's absolutely a sink of iniquity. Great, great phrase. Your kind and prompt attention is respectfully craved by, and then it is signed, some ratepayers of Endell Street. And it is addressed to the commissioner of the police. Some ratepayers. Oh, Mm. God. You can just imagine this kind of person, can't you? It's very nimby, isn't it? Not in my backyard. It's very kind of... It really is. I'm I'm not willing to put my name to it, but Mm. I'm going to tell people about it. And it's, it sets such a tone on the club. You know, you could be gay and, and go there and just want to dance and have a great time and know that you're just being yourself. You're not yeah. going there. I mean, I'm sure some people went there because they did want to hook up. Fine. Um, but a lot of people just wanting to be completely them. Just be who they um, are. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, that's such a, a horrible letter. So when this these complaints start coming through, the police decide they're going to start surveilling the club. Now, surveilling is not or was not quite the same as you would imagine now, you know, in a some sort of stakeout in a in a vehicle around the corner with a long lens and this kind of the other. Surveillance, mm. very simply, was undercover police officers, so in plain clothes, going into the caravan, posing as members, posing mm. as clientele. They would pretend that they were just going for a night out and they would make all kind of semblance they were enjoying themselves they would chat to people they would go at, i mean this is quite a controversial method of policing both would be now and then as well mm. they would go in they were recording what people were saying they mm. were gathering evidence from inside as well anything that could kind of be be seen to to support the the you know the closing down of it should it be um later raided which is of course it is now lots of things that we're in the club. Firstly, you know, we've got things like um, makeup. So I mentioned makeup briefly. One of the big things is powder puffs. And there were powder puffs around because, you know, a lot of these men would be painting their faces. And um, this is, like I say, linked to being effeminate slash homosexual. And when the raid happens, loads of men have their faces tested for makeup. They were taken to the police station and blotting paper was put on their lips and their, their cheeks to see if it would pick up any any makeup. God, isn't that just terrible? Like, mm. haven't you got better things to do with your time? Right, clearly Mr. not. Mr. Copper. Uh, like, blotting people's face. And this would have been absolutely humiliating for these people it, yeah, as well. It would have been. You know, the reports of these that was coming out of these, the club from the, the you know, plainclothes police guys were that there were lots of men with rouged and powdered faces and all the, this kind of thing. Mm. One of the bits of evidence that was collected during the raid was a love note which is really sweet now it's now in the national archives and it's from a guy called cyril who has sort of gone down as as being known as cyril the um lionheart because he's quite he's you know he's a lover but he's also got a bit of fight to him and i kind of love this and it's it's from cyril to a chap called morris and it's a really lovely note actually and clearly he he's in love with this guy but It's not quite turning out the way he'd hoped. So the letter goes, my darling Morris, just a note which I feel I must write, or should I say type, to you. I was very, very disappointed to find out that you were not coming to the club tonight. As ever, since I phoned you on Monday and made arrangements, I just lived for tonight when I was to have seen you, darling. As a matter of fact, I stayed in bed all day yesterday, didn't even get up to eat, and just the thought of you counting the hours until I should see you. And then the terrible shock of not being with you after all. And at the very end, it says, I only wish that I was going away with you, just you and I to eat, sleep and make love together. Perhaps when you are away, you will think of me and even write me. I sincerely hope so. Oh, Cyril. 
So we don't quite know what happened with Cyril and Morris and whether Morris and we don't just didn't either. turn up or whether it was, you know, ghosting 1930s style. We don't quite know. But Cyril is going to feature in the raid, which happens in a bit. So let's get to the raid. August 1934. This surveillance has come to a head. They decide they've got enough evidence to raid the club and they do. So they break in. The police, there are some plainclothes police already in there. The rest of the police break in and they break up uh, people, same-sex couples dancing together on the dance floor. They are talking about um, the people in there. They say that um, the what they saw was sort of stomach churning. They said that, you know, they were um, men dancing with men, women dancing with women. And it was very indecent and very obscene and... and there were men made up like women and cuddling and embracing each other. And, um, the, you know, some of these police officers said they, they felt sick to their stomach, which a bit of an overreaction, but, you know, yeah, seeing the time, it's fine, whatever. Um, they arrested, in fact, no, what they said is they, they took, well, they arrested about 103 men and women in total. Um, the police put out reports saying that a lot of the women were of, and I, in using quotes here, the prostitute class and the men of the, let's say, importuning type. So basically they are, you know, not very well to do. They're, they're all, you know, the underclass of society. God, instantly putting them in these boxes. And to be fair, it's completely untrue. Mm. The clientele of the club is very varied. You've got artists and shop assistants and engineers and waiters and labourers and everybody. people as well. Well-known yeah. people, members of the royal family, perhaps. Not sure about that necessarily. Well, maybe. Not at this one, maybe. But, yeah. Other ones. Members yeah. of the royal family tended to have done it a little bit more sort of obviously in the past. But anyway. So there's a lot, you know, there's a, a vast swathe of people who are in this club. So they arrest everybody. The majority were found not guilty on the condition that they never frequented another nightclub of that ilk. But some of them did get... Um, you know, give, be, were given prison sentences. Cyril, now during this raid, so I mentioned Cyril is taken to the police station. His, he, he gets the daubing process for the, the powder and the lipstick. And he, at this point, you know, is, is, it, is in, well, in a bit of a state because obviously Morris hasn't turned up and he didn't... Well, we don't know. That's not, the same, that's not the same day, I, would, I wouldn't think. I don't think that's the oh, same day. right, okay. Maybe it is, okay. I'm not sure. I thought the letter was found... I don't know night. if it was found on that day or before, I, I, or whether it was sent, who knows, we're not quite sure. Okay, anyway. but we know this is the same Cyril. We know this is the same Cyril. So he he actually, they do say that he is, um, well, he's described as the effeminate type. And apparently he is quite heavily made up. But the best thing about Cyril, and I love this, is, so I think this is where the Lionheart moniker is perfect, because he says to the police, well, I don't mind this beastly raid, but I would like to know if you can let me have one of your nice boys to come home with me. Ah, Cyril. Brilliant. That is fantastic. He's going down swinging. You can just imagine him being a bit of a Kenneth Williams and saying that, can't you? Yes, absolutely. And just, just sort of being like, like oh, yeah. oh, frisking me, are you? Mm, yeah. Darling, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'll have which, that one, please. It's exactly what it seems like he's doing, which is amazing. Is the man behind the desk doing the frisking? Yes. Oh. <laughs> is that a is that a truncheon in your pocket, or are you just been to see me? <laughs> yeah. You know, are you going to imagine him doing all of that? Because yeah. he doesn't seem to. You know, he's got this lovely sort of, you know, um, and a heartbroken side or kind of loving side, but he's also well, yes. got a quick wit a and, a, and a cheeky. classic sort of 
slightly kind of bitchy queen air. Yeah, it's not taking to, it too seriously. Just, no, I love it. Mm. Absolutely love it. Mm. So when it comes to these people, um, 75 or so of them um, are, um, are, are let go. That's fine. The rest come for trial. Some are found not guilty. Some get short sentences. But the two guys, um, Billy Reynolds and Jack Neve, who actually set the place up, had quite a harsh um, treatment. Now, even though those 75 people were let go free, most of them stayed to support everybody else, mm. which is really, really rather lovely. Wow. Um, and there were huge, big crowds outside. Um, this is in Bow Street, I should say, Bow Street Magistrates Court, which we're going to be hearing about soon on a podcast. So Billy and even Jack Reynolds... Um, uh, sorry, Jack Neve and Billy Reynolds even. Jack Neve was sentenced to 20 months hard labour and Reynolds was uh, sentenced to 12 months and this was for keeping a disorderly house. Uh, the judge specifically says, uh, keeping a foul den of iniquity which is corrupting the youth of London. God. But Jack Neve, again, a bit like Cyril, it's going to take this lying down. Jack Neve defends his patrons during the raid. He says, I will admit there's a variety of people who are eccentric. I am willing to swear nothing suggestive or immoral has taken place. Mm. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I just I love the image of everybody at the police station. You know, those that have been acquitted. Yeah. That are saying no, we're gonna we're gonna stand here until everybody leaves. Absolutely. That's such a lovely image. And what of Cyril? What of Cyril? What Cyril. happened to Cyril? He's found not guilty. Oh, okay. So he heads off for what I can only hope was a life of cavorting in other, in the arms of Morris, cavorting around loads of other clandestine gay clubs. Yeah. So in a way, this raid, at the time, not great, but historically quite good because it means we have a lot of information about it. Mm. We have photos, we have written accounts, um, quite a lot of evidence gathering through this surveillance. So what it means is that in 2017 which was the 50th anniversary of homosexuality being made legal in the UK, or rather, I should say, in most of the UK, in, in England, at least, um, the National Trust decided they were going to recreate the Caravan Club. Oh! Yeah. So they took over a site. Now, one of our colleagues, the lovely Amber um, from Rambling London Tours, she volunteered there, actually. Oh, brilliant. And what they did is they set up the club as it would have been, or as close as we can get it to how it would have been, from the photos, from the evidence, with these lovely hanging wall fixtures mm. and things like that. And they opened it for a temporary period as a, well, it was both a, a LGBTQ safe space. So it was a kind of, it was not it was sort of a club. It wasn't quite a club in the proper sense of it, but it was still somewhere you could go and get drinks and sort of do like an evening. Um, but it was also part of a kind of historical look at the history of the LGBT community in London. And as part of it, they also offered walking tours of gay history around Soho. Oh, brilliant. So when, when was that, 2017? 2017, yeah. Wow. So it was only temporary, only for a couple of months, which mm. was similar to the original club. Um, but a lovely way of remembering that. And, uh, you know, what, nearly 100 years later, being able to kind of pay homage to one of those first groundbreaking gay clubs, which uh, went down in history. So there we go. That is the Caravan Club. Not in Soho, <sighs> Covent Garden. Sorry, Rose. How fascinating. <laughs> Sorry, my voice has nearly gone. I have been so hoarse this last week, so I think my voice has gone lower and lower. Well, you've the done very well there. Apologies, well. everybody. Sorry for that. Um. Wow. That's, there we go. That 
That was wonderful. And, you know, about the whole makeup thing. Can you imagine when you start to see, you know, all these kind of uh, singers, people like David Bowie and, and different people suddenly embracing makeup mm. and putting, like, so much paint on their face. Like, how fantastic that... And it, but you know, again, even David Bowie doing. I mean, David Bowie, David Bowie got a lot of stick for being sort of androgynous and mm, all that yeah. kind of thing. So you know, it's still it's still a thing now. If you see, you know, guys who wear makeup, um, a lot of people find it really, really weird and odd. And um, you know, generally, men don't really wear makeup on a daily basis like women do. Mm. You will obviously we have drag queens, and there are people like if you know if you ever go to the um, the Max store in Covent Garden, there's a chap in there who, let me tell you, his eye makeup is incredible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Generally. you can guarantee that if he got on the tube with that incredible eye makeup, I mean, partly because it is so flamboyant and amazing, he would have people looking at him. Mm. But Whereas I think if, if a woman so got on with flamboyant eye makeup, now. well, yes and no, I think it would depend who you spoke to. Yeah, true. I think there would true. be some people out there who would really have an issue with that. Mm. I'd just probably spend the entire time going, oh my God, how did you do that? It's incredible. Um <laughs> But there would still be people who, for whom, you know, there's a lot of men still who, if you say, oh, you're a bit shiny, let's pop some powder on it, you know, would see that as, oh, that's that's being gay, which yeah, obviously, yeah, if putting a bit of powder on your face is, fine. exactly. Um, but, you know, so I would still say that it's, it's very much a preserve of either gay men or men who, let's say, are probably a lot more assured in their own sexuality. Mm. But it's not for for everybody. Not every man would be comfortable doing that. No. Because of what they would see as connotations. Of course, we know it's nothing like that, but that's, yeah. you know. Wow. I have to say, some of the best nights I've had have been in gay clubs. And actually, my yeah. first night in London, when I moved from the Isle of Wight, and I moved into this house and didn't know anybody, I opened the fridge and there was a guy called Tom there. And uh, In the fridge? <laughs> and I kind of like, sorry, I opened the fridge door oh, right. and I closed the door and he was just suddenly standing there. Oh. He was like, hi, lovely to meet you. Let's go to GAY. I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was just the best ever. And since then in London, like some of the best nights out is is going to gay bars absolutely mm. absolutely i've never been felt up more than i have been in gay clubs um <laughs> but yeah it's, the thing is that you know now soho which is where it was supposed to be sorry Rose, um is is the heart of the kind of the gay community in london for, for nightclubbing at any rate and you know now it, there's no there's no question that of course there will be gay clubs there and there will be people who will be very openly holding hands with a member of the same sex and and that doesn't you know that doesn't it happily for the most part doesn't you know nobody bats an eye at it which is amazing so it's kind of it's it's kind of awful to think that back in the 30s that people were literally being prosecuted for the kind of thing that for us now would be unthinkable that people mm. couldn't do that mm. i don't know it's just a yeah so there we go. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. Podcast Pedestal. So begs the question, where are we going with Podcast Pedestal? I know. I know what I want I to I think I away, know where you're going. But with. it's your pick first because this is your... Go on. I'm going to let you pick first. No, no, no. No, the rules are if it's your turn to talk about a particular subject or something... Oh, then I haven't you decided get yet, though. Just go for it. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah, go I'm going to go for Cyril's love note. Ah, I thought you might. I thought you might. Um, because it really, it just really speaks to me, you know, the excitement of going and meeting this guy and all day when he was at home in bed, not eating, he had a, a visual in his mind of the caravan club. He was in that club. It yeah. existed and he was going to meet this guy. Um, Come on, and Morris. I just think it's, go on, Paul. Where, what happened to Morris? Um, and I think it's fabulous that we have this love note. Yeah, yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah, Cyril's love note. You know, quite quite problematic at the time. People having their hands on that, but now for us, it's amazing that, that that's uh, there. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm oh, I'm I'm torn between two. I'm torn between the Polari. Mm, that's going to be my. And Option also B. between Cyril, but his little riposte to the police as he's been carted away to the Ooh, police station. Oh, that's also a good one. I think, I think we're going to have a Cyril off. Let's have a Cyril off. Yeah. How we're am I going to put that in the poll? Um, I think, oh, I don't know. Uh, so, you, well, Cyril's love note and Cyril's... Because um, what did bit, say? Cyril's bitchy retort, I think. Bitchy retort. Yeah. I think, yeah, because, well, I'll, I'll find it. So he, he said, well, I don't mind this beastly raid, but I would like to know if you can let me have one of your nice boys to come home with me. Well, it's almost a saucy retort, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's just put, yeah, Cyril's, Cyril's, Cyril's retort. Yeah, that'll okay. do. All there right. we go. Oh, there we go. Those Ooh, are the options. Yay. Fantastic. Thanks so Fantastic. much, Alex. So you can vote on those on Sunday or you can email us at any point uh, during the week either email or on Instagram or you can just vote on the poll on Sunday if I manage to do it correctly this week which I should given that I'm no longer in a in a pretty horrible pit fingers crossed fingers crossed great right oh now uh, I have some more news oh a little virtual event this week for our, our listeners which I've not told you about yet Emily because oh. news has reached me from one of our listeners also my friend Caro uh, hello, Caro, who let me know this week that there is a little film that has popped up on Netflix. <gasps> now, it's a film that we, we weren't quite sure oh. what's going to happen. Do you know who I it's think, about? I think, yeah. Go I on. Think I know. Go on. Say the title of the film. So the title is called A Call to Spy. <gasps> it's about someone that we spoke about, isn't it? It is. Who is it's it? It's about Noor. It's about Noor! Oh! Lauren I Khan, who um, generally seems to have gone down as one of our favourite podcast episodes mm. for listeners. So this week, we're going to suggest that we do a virtual meetup. So what this is going to be, on Sunday night at eight o'clock, Emily and I are going to watch the film at home. It's on Netflix. I hope it's on Netflix around the world as well. And join us, watch at home. If you can't watch it Sunday at 8pm, don't worry. Watch it another time, but watch it this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about it. So send in your reviews of it, what you thought of it. Send in a little photo of you watching it. We're going to probably do some, be active on Instagram um, at the time. Oh, this is fantastic. Send us your popcorn in the microwave. Get yes. ready for it. Yes. This is the 20th, Sunday the 20th of February. Sunday the 20th of February. Fantastic idea. Ladies who London goes to the cinema goes to the cinema in our own homes so i've got cara who is a listener but also a friend of mine she's going to come over to mine and watch it you're welcome to join us if you like emily we can watch it at home and everyone else come and watch it with us if you can't watch it at that time watch it another time 
But let us know what you think. I'm super excited to see it. A call to spy this a Sunday. A call to spy this Sunday. Oh, God. Okay, great. Exciting. Yay. Yay. So there we go. Any uh, other messages that you want to say before we move on? Or before we... Um, I don't think so. Only that I do finally have a couple of walking tours that Yay! I'm starting to prepare. But I will give information about that next week. Perfect. And I do have my Harlots tour this Saturday, the 19th. And it's going to start at 12.30 midday. Midday, midday 30. Half, half day, 12.30, basically. Uh, it's an hour and a half. It's £15 per person. Um, my website is an absolute mess at the moment because I've just been ill and I haven't been keeping it up to date. So if you would like the link, and I know that we had somebody email me, Tracy, I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you earlier. Um, if you want to come, drop us a message. I will send you the link. It's on Eventbrite. Um, and I'll try and get it on my actual website this week. Um, but if you'd like to come, Harlots, on Saturday the 19th at 12.30. We've already got quite a few people booked on that, which is exciting. Brilliant. So there we go. That's it. The Wheel of Destiny. Well, it's time for the old wheel, isn't it? It is. I remember next week I'm going to be spinning the Wheel of Questions, but we're currently yes. talking about the Wheel of Destiny. Wheel of Destiny, yep. Wheel of Destiny. Um, I'm just going to go for it, Alex. All right. It's landed in the old favourite, Mayfair. Mayfair. I thought we'd removed Mayfair from the wheel. Did you pop it back on? Um, to be honest, I don't think I'd ever removed it. Oh dear. Oh well. <laughs> Never mind. Um, Mayfair. Okay, well that's actually quite good because um, we're going to do a guest next week. Oh yes, we are, aren't we? Yes, it's guest time. So, next week we are going to be joined, and I'm super excited about this. Um, so, we're going to link it to Down Street Station, London Underground. So, we're doing Underground again, actually. Funnily, our last guest was Underground, too. It was, wasn't um, it? Yeah. Probably it's not every guest is, guest is going to be Underground. But next week we have the absolutely fantastic Siddy Holloway joining us. Siddy Holloway works at the London Transport Museum. She is the face of um, a TV show which is all about the secret underground stations in London. So she's going to join us next week. I'm super excited. She's going to come and talk about Down Street Station and some of the other underground stations that uh, she looks after and manages. It's going to be oh, brilliant. It's going to be good. Can't wait. So that'll be uh, Sydney Holloway on with us next week. And then it'll be your pick the week after. Good stuff. Amazing. Good stuff. Well, Alex. Well, that's it for I've this week. I've had a lovely time. I've had a lovely time too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you to all of our lovely listeners who have thank tuned in. Thank you so much. In. And remember, this Sunday is Cinema Night. Cinema Night. We'll pop some stuff on the Instagram about that. Um, give you a little countdown in the stories that you can go and click on to remind yourself. Uh, but come and let, come and you know come and watch. We'll have like a virtual Cinema Night, and then you know maybe later a bit further down the line when other things come out in the actual cinema, maybe we'll organise some cinema trips when we've got a bit of a uh, bit of warning about these things um but come and do come and do a virtual one with us we'd love to see you and just send in your reviews send in what you think send in bits that you're happy with bits that you're not happy with send us photos let's do it gang wherever let's you are in the world it. fantastic brilliant well see, see you on, on sunday. sunday everybody see you on sunday bye, bye.